Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. South Carolina wasn't afraid of UConn's history. Does North Carolina have enough left after the emotional win over Duke? Plus, is Coach K 100% ready to hang it up? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and the biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The South Carolina Gamecocks did something to the UConn Huskies under Gino Arema that had never happened before. They beat him and his Lady Huskies in the national title game, ran them off the floor, 64 to 49. Joining me now from the next, M. Adler and M. How were the Gamecocks able to do this in a game that was really never that close? Yeah, I mean, it starts in the first quarter. They jump out to, uh, I think it was like a 13-2 or 13-4 run to force Gino to call an early timeout. They end the quarter with a 22-8 to lead, and that was pretty much game. UConn got within striking distance. Late third quarter, early fourth quarter, they got it down to six. But South Carolina's dominance on the boards early on and being able to get the ball around the horn with Destiny Henderson, who had a career high, and Zaya Cook, who was really efficient. It's just scoring the ball in ways that she often isn't. That really just allowed South Carolina to run away. You mentioned Destiny Anderson. She scores 26 in this game. She averaged 11 points per game this season, had never had more than 23 over the course of this season, and she goes for 26 in this game. How big an impact did she have on this game? Because to my eyes, she was playing at a different speed than everyone else. She was huge, and it's not just those 26 points, although... That's a lot of points. Um, it's, it's, it's over a third of South Carolina's total scoring. She also had four assists against only two turnovers. She had three steals as well. She was impactful all over the court, played 35 minutes. She was disruptive into passing lanes. She was har- harassing Paige on ball all game and off more off the ball, just making sure that she wasn't getting any easy looks. She was helping South Carolina's offense flow smoothly and just making her impact felt wherever she was playing on the court. I mentioned the incredible run from Gino Ariema and, and his program in these national title games. How do you think this this affects the way that we view Gino, if at all? Again, he's one of the greatest ever, but this is a new thing for him. That's an interesting question. So I thought coming into this game that there were a couple of keys that were that were going to be, you know, really make or break for UConn from the tip. I thought Aaliyah Edwards, their starting four, had to beat Saxon on the boards. I thought they needed to be able to hold Henny and um, NZ to, at, at most, their average sort of production for the season. What ended up happening was Zaya Cook opened the game three for three from the field. Henderson obviously scored a clear high. And Aaliyah Edwards, at least in the first half, had one of the worst halves of her career. That pretty much sealed it for them because just in terms of the matchup on the court, there wasn't a whole lot that UConn was going to do if in my opinion, there wasn't much they were going to do if those things were not going to happen well. I think, honestly, overall, this run has, in the tournament, it has, if anything, I think reaffirmed how good the UConn staff is at their jobs when they are on their game. 
the ability to be so prepared against Stanford to be able to counter NC State and adapt in the ways that they did in that game, I felt were highly impressive. And for a Gino Oriyama who earlier in the season sounded like he was sort of losing his touch on, you know, his own connection to active coaching, this, I think, should quell that concept. Thanks for making Locked On today your first listen. Coming up, does North Carolina have enough left in the tank after the emotional win over Duke? Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Philly, Boston, and Milwaukee have been waiting for the Heat to open the door just enough to grab that one seed in the East, but Miami may have just slammed it shut on Sunday. Without Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Eric Spolstra, and others, the Miami Heat beat the Raptors 114-109 to on Kyle Lowry's special night. I'm Wes Goldberg with Locked on Heat. And in Kyle Lowry's first game back in Toronto since signing with the Heat last summer, the Heat came back from 13 points down and used a big 34-23 third quarter, powered by Max Strus and Tyler Hero, to get this win. The Heat are now two games up for the number one seed in the Eastern Conference with three games left in their regular season. But this isn't to overlook this occasion for Kyle Lowry. Toronto gave him a great tribute before the game, and Lowry spoke to media wearing his 2019 championship ring. They also made sure to let the media know that his priority was getting the win. And Lowry and the Heat walk away Sunday night with an important one, and they've now won four straight after having previously lost four straight. Mentioned at the top there that Eric Spolster was out. He had been entered into health and safety protocols, not expected to have an extended absence for Miami. For more on the game, tune into Locked On Heat on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. The Lakers couldn't help themselves against the Nuggets, and now they are two games back of the Spurs. Are they done? This is Andy Kamenetsky, co-host of Locked On Lakers podcast, and Lakers lose 129-118 to the Nuggets. No LeBron in this game. Uh, too quick a turnaround after Friday with that problematic knee. Anthony Davis did play pretty strong overall effort. 28 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, 3 blocks, but... He did lose some steam over the course of this game, and that sprained foot that cost him so many games clearly still bothering him. He was often laboring or even limping a bit throughout different periods of this game. 27 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists for Russell Westbrook, 17 for Melo off the bench, but in the end, too much Nikola Jokic, too much Aaron Gordon, too much Will Barton, and in all likelihood, too little time remaining for the Lakers. A lot more to get into, so make sure you are subscribing to Locked on Lakers' YouTube channel and that you're making Locked on Lakers your first listen wherever you get your podcasts. Can the Mavericks land in the top three of the West? If Lucas stays hot, anything is possible. The Dallas Mavericks take down the Milwaukee Bucks. Nick Engstead from the Locked On Mavericks podcast here. And Luka Doncic was absolutely sensational in this game, racking up 15 assists. He could just do anything on the court. He had every single option available to him. If he wanted to go to the rim, he had floaters, he had some layups, he had his three ball going a little bit. But the passing was just absolutely amazing. Passing out a lot of double teams, passing out of uh, traps, all kinds of players that he was hitting for threes, for dunks. Dwight Powell and him had a connection that was just like unlike anything we have seen this season. Dwight Powell was incredible. 22 points, 13 boards as the starting center, and he did a really good job against one of the best front lines in the NBA of Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bobby Portis coming off the bench. Maxi Kleba was not playing, so Dwight Powell had to do a little extra, played 31 minutes in this game, but was absolutely amazing. Plus, the defense from Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock 
taking over when Maxi Kleba couldn't be there, being the one that was guarding Giannis straight up, being the one that was trying to help on the other end. They were awesome. The Mavs rotation was great. They did just enough to beat the Bucks, And now the Mavs have another win against one of the top teams in the NBA. And they're starting to feel good, hopefully getting that third seed. The Cavaliers had an opportunity to take advantage of a Raptors loss to pull within one of the sixth seed in the East, but they couldn't get it done against Philly. Hey there, everyone. Evan Damerl here, co-host of Locked On Cavs. The Cleveland Cavaliers 112-108 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on Sunday night at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. With this loss to Philly, Cleveland is more or less locked into the playing tournament at this point with only a game ahead of the Atlanta Hawks for the 8th seed, and they could realistically end up in the 10th seed as well if they lose half the remainder of the season. I asked JB back bigger staff post game if the plan was to whether or not rest some of his key players down the stretch to have them fully healthy for the playoffs, and he said that's not the plan at all. It's kind of an interesting development, and we'll have to kind of see how this goes down the stretch. And the Padres added another top-shelf starting pitcher. Javier Reyes here of Locked On Padres. The Padres, I guess it was too quiet of a Sunday morning, all right? And A.J. Prowler, he strikes right when you least expect it. Expect it. Uh, trading for Sean Manaya, pitcher from the Oakland A's and Aaron Holiday, in exchange for prospect through Rubio Endless and Adrian Martinez. Now, Sean Manaya had a really good year last year. Great strikeout rate, really good swing and miss stuff for the most part. Um, is it possible that they're trading for a guy who just finally figured it out? Yes, and, you know, past trades for the Padres haven't been always great for training uh, for guys kind of at their peak and whatnot um, but still he's probably the five starter on the Padres right now that's what's so exciting is that they don't necessarily need him to be a superstar it locks in probably the top five of the rotation and it means more importantly that this probably means that Chris Paddock Ryan Weathers maybe even top pitching prospects Mackenzie Gore on are on the market especially with this Padres pitching depth that they have right now so expect another move to be incoming shortly Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your daily gambling needs. We have some NCAA tournament championship action on the line here with Bet Online. North Carolina comes into the game as four point dogs against the Kansas Jayhawks. Points are expected to come in bunches in this game, though. Bet Online has the over under set at 152 for the Tar Heels and Jayhawks. And if you think David McCormick will duplicate his 25 point performance from the final four win against Villanova, you can get it. At plus 490, bet online where the game starts. Here is another story you need to know. It was the game of the tournament, at least so far, in the Final Four. The first meeting between Duke and North Carolina in NCAA tournament history, and the Tar Heels squeak out an 81 to 77 victory. Joining me from Locked On Tar Heels, Isaac Shade and Isaac. When you look at this game at the end, with 47 seconds to go, Mark Williams has a chance to give Duke the lead. They're down 75-74. He misses both. Caleb Love makes a three that gives North Carolina a lead that it would not relinquish the rest of the game. Those free throws have become the center of attention here. How do you think that inflection point affected the outcome of this game? Well, it's very interesting. I, I watched from my so I was on the um, on the baseline where the Duke benches was to my left, and I could see Hubert Davis across the court as soon because that was when Armando Baycott fouled out, right. and he made sure to get the refs' attention, make sure he could bring his two his team to him, and basically iced Mark Williams without having to use a timeout. Um, and you could see like from 
Mark Williams was like directly in front of me. I'm, I'm second row of the media seating, smack dab in the middle. I could see Mark Williams' face, and he misses that second free throw and just, you know, gets all dialed up like that. <laughs> just obvious that he was. I couldn't even tell if it was like frustration or disappointment or like what, like it was almost like he wasn't up to the moment. I wonder about this, Isaac, because I have seen some North Carolina fans, some happy ones on social media saying, we now have this over you forever. We ended coach K's career. There is nothing we could lose the next 50 of these. And we (laughs) still get to say that we ended coach K's career. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You have this double trump card now because not only is it this game, but they beat him in his last home game at Cameron when ESPN made that whole to-do of it, and (laughs) yikes. Um, And so now you've got – he literally – I mean – 10 feet from where I'm sitting right now, he got in a golf cart with Mickey, his wife, Mickey, after the press conference last night and literally said to us, I'm riding off into the sunset. I, I can send you the video, Peter. You can throw it in if you want. And just rode off in this golf cart and you just watch. I mean, it was almost like you're literally watching an icon leave. Just shifting gears here as we finish up, how do you how do you like this matchup for North Carolina? Kansas is much like North Carolina in, in that, Each team is playing its best basketball over the last month. We have seen each one of these teams transform into a version of themselves that seems like the best version of themselves here. So where do you think uh, North Carolina can can create advantages? Absolutely. The three, quickly, the three biggest things I'm watching are Armando Baycott's health. He went down, uh, twisted ankle yesterday. Coach Davis told us uh, just a few minutes ago, actually, that x-rays were negative. The training staff is glad with where his swelling is at. And then Baycott himself told us, there's no way I'm not playing in this game. You'd have to saw my leg off for me to not be out there. (laughs) So we got to watch his mobility, how he's doing. Number two, Leaky Black, Carolina's defensive stopper. Can he do another job on Ochai Agbaji the way he's done on A.J. Griffin now from Duke in back-to-back games? Leaky Black wouldn't flat out tell us who he's guarding, but he uh, in jest said, I can't say that, but uh, I think we can all guess who I'll be guarding. So there's that. And then here's my X factor is Brady Manick. He has to uh, take big advantage of what he's doing. Coming up, is Coach K 100% ready to hang it up? Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. The protein puff flavors, they're unbelievable. It's protein-infused marshmallow. Did you hear what I said? Protein-infused marshmallow. The churro flavor is out of this world. I'm a big fan of the coconut marshmallow. And they're unlike any protein you've ever eaten because the puff with the chocolate, it makes them so smooth. So easy to chew, whereas a lot of protein bars are just, they're so gristly and chalky and it's like its like chewing on concrete. This is not enjoyable for me. Well, Built Bar is different. And yet, they are low in calorie, high in fiber, high in protein, low in net carbs. Don't know how they do it. Don't know how they do it because the nutritional value is there and yet they taste like a candy bar. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the day. The fairy tale ending was not to be for Coach Mike Shashevsky and the Duke Blue Devils. His career will end the way it began with a loss to North Carolina. 
who also handed him his last loss at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It was not the way Blue Devils fans were hoping this story would end, but it does end in another Final Four trip for Duke. Joining me now from Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson. And J.J., Coach K did not want to reminisce about his career. He did not want to talk about the big picture stuff. So let's focus on this team specifically. How do you quantify what this run was for Duke? A success, a failure, somewhere in between. Yeah, it's it, it's got to be a success, Peter. And again, glad to be back with you. I, I mentioned last week in a conversation with you that uh, I was hoping to join you on the Tuesday edition of Locked On today, knowing that we'd be recapping a, a Duke National Championship victory, hopefully, but not to be as, uh, again, North Carolina uh, came away with the victory. When you look at this team in particular, though, the pressure, the circumstances, whatever you want to think about, knowing that before the year ever starts, Mike Krzyzewski lets the world know, this will be my final year, this will be the last ride. There's a lot of pressure that goes along with that. The Stoop team won the first ever ACC regular season championship since 2006, outright title since then for a program that's been rather dominant. They go back to the Final Four, something that hadn't been done since 2015, and a team that really did not have a whole lot of upperclassmen that were contributing as Duke didn't play in last year's tournament. And then in 2020, we didn't have an NCAA tournament at all. So the fact that they made the Final Four run that they did with the talent on the roster that they have, I mean, the loss hurts right now in the few days after, and it probably will continue to hurt for another week or so. But as time moves on and you start to reflect back, I think there's a lot to be proud of about the Stoop team. There has also been some chatter after this team makes the kind of run that they did. Coach K, the other side of this is he's not ready to hang it up. What are the odds that he says, hey, John Shire, uh, this was a fun plan, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run it back one last time. What do you think the chances of that are? Zero. I, I just I don't I don't see that being a possibility at all. As awesome as that is, and it really did look like Coach K uh, was locked in and dialed in and truly loved this team. There's just been so much put in place for the future. That's why he made the decision that he did. That's why going into next season, Duke has the number one recruiting class. What coach in college basketball history has entered their first ever year as a head coach and had the number one recruiting class to work with? It's never happened before. This is unprecedented territory that John Shire is walking into. And while, yes, Duke's already off to a great start in the 23 class the year prior to that, I think they're ready to make the transition now. And, again, you'd you'd experience the exact same thing going into next year, a whole lot more pressure on a team to deliver, and uh, I just I don't see that happening. And finally, Tiger Woods may indeed compete in the Masters, as he alluded to on Twitter, saying, I will be heading up to Augusta today to continue my preparation and practice. It will be a game-time decision on whether I compete. Tiger would have the chance to compete for his sixth green jacket if he returns. Fellow PGA Tour pro Billy Horschel thinks he's ready. He looks like the Tiger we saw before the accident, Horschel said. And, of course, the Masters put out a hype video with Tiger Woods in it welcoming him back. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen. For your second listen, download Locked On Bets. All the gambling advice you need in about 20 minutes. Coming up Tuesday, the madness will be over for college, but the pros are about to play for it all. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.